let your garden grow. Let your garden grow in us, God. Let your garden grow in us, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We trade in everything that's not eternal for you. We trade everything in. We get the greatest offer there's ever been given. And that's that we get to be part of God's family. The greatest offer. And like we say today, there's no treasures on earth that are worth. They're worth being part of the family of God. We have his blood flowing in our veins. We're actually part of, he's our father. And we are his children. So what a deal. <laughs> what a deal. It's the best deal. So we accept that, God. We accept to be a part of the move of God. We lay down those things that aren't eternal. We lay down those things that we can see. We can see people come to Jesus. We can see the garden of God growing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, what a good, what a good deal. Well, family of God, we love you all. We're so thankful you're here today. Um, thank you, Stan, and thank you, worship team, for bringing us into God's presence. You can um, greet your neighbor, and we're going to move on with this service. Well, good morning, Destiny Church. It's great to be in church with you today. We have a special event right now. We're having a, a baby dedication, so if um, Garrett and Callie would like to come at this time. This little girl right here is Maya Ruth. Hoggison Buck. She's going to have quite a name to write when she's older. Uh, my last name's Cornimo, and I thought that was a long name, but this is what a, what a wonderful gift from the Lord. I need my wife, and Jeremy's going to help me too. We're going to dedicate this little child to the Lord. You know, um, I tell people this, you know, I know you hear me say this over and over again, but just in case you didn't hear it, you know, we don't, we, uh, we believe in dedicating children. Um, you know, some churches, uh, I don't know what they call baptize or whatever, christening. I, I'm not sure about the right word, but um, we just don't do that. And I'm not mad about it, but it's just, it's not really a scriptural practice. And so if it's not in the Bible, but I don't really like to practice it. But um, the Bible does say that they brought their babies to Jesus and he would lay his hands on them, and he would bless them. And so I always think about it this way. If Jesus was here right now, what would he do? And I'm positive that he would take little Maya here, and he would put his hands on little Maya, and he would bless Maya. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a tremendous power that we as believers have in blessing. Um, the Bible says, bless and curse not. And... Um, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, there was this story about Jacob and Esau, and Isaac gave the blessing by trickery to Jacob instead of Esau. And I, I always remember this one phrase that Jacob, that Jacob said to, or that uh, Isaac said to uh, Esau, because Esau goes, can you give me some blessing? And he goes, I blessed him, and he is blessed. And, you know, that's the, that's the way I look at it, is when we speak a blessing over a child, 
that child's blessed because God gave us the, the ability to speak blessings. And, um, and so we're going to bless little Maya this morning, Maya Ruth Hoggison Buck. But, you know, I, I think about this. You know, I always ask the parents to make a commitment to raise their children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, to lead them to know Jesus at a young age, and then to live, live before them with the right kind of example. Because, you know, this little baby here, you know, she's God's answer to some earth's problem. You, you see that in the scriptures that when God wants to bless the earth, he, he gives the, puts the answer inside of a child and he sends the child to the earth. That's why I'm 150% against abortion. Because it's not just the killing of a child, it's the suffocating of destiny. Because that child has something in them that the earth needed. And when you kill the child, you actually kill something the earth needed. And this little girl here, she is full of gifts and abilities and talents that God put inside of her and sent her to this couple right here to be a, to be a blessing to them because every good and perfect gift comes down from God, but also for them to nurture her. And so do you make that commitment today? Yes. All right. Let's grab the girl. <laughs> Would you all stand with me so we pray together? Hallelujah. Wow, look at this girl's got hair. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, right now, we just lay our hands on little Maya, and we just dedicate her to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We present her to you, Lord. You have given this family this wonderful gift, and every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. And so we dedicate her to you now. We declare over her life that she will be a part of the generation of the righteous that you're raising up in the last day. She will be a bright and a shining light. Lord, every gift that you place inside of her, we just declare those gifts will become unwrapped as the days go ahead. That she will be alert mentally, that she will be well physically, and that she'll be a stalwart spiritually, Lord. That you'll make her a giant in your kingdom, Lord. Hallelujah. And I just thank you for giving her a mouth to speak and declare your word. I thank you for giving her a mouth to declare your praises, Lord. And I thank you for, for that at a young age she'll come to know you. Hallelujah. And that you will speak to the parents and the grandparents, Lord, on what, they, what their contribution and their input into this child's life is. And we bless her now, Lord. We bless her in Jesus' name. And we declare your blessing over her right now. You know, as I was praying earlier, I felt like she's going to know the Father's approval, the, her Heavenly Father's approval, that she'll be fully convinced of it. But what I felt like is that it was going to come through you guys, that you guys would be fully convinced of the Father's approval. And because of that, she would be. And I also felt like the Lord said that whatever you guys ask for as parents, like whatever you need as parents to be, whether it's strategy or vision or whatever it is, I felt like I, I, felt like I heard God's yes. So, Lord, we just release... We just release the Father's approval over, uh, over these parents right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that they would be so convinced, fully convinced, that you approve of them and that you love them. And that because of that, that their child, uh, Mayo, she would be fully convinced as well that you approve of her. And we just declare, Lord, your yes over, uh, 
over Garrett and Callie. We declare your yes over them, that everything that they desire and they need to be parents to this child, that it is a yes and amen in your kingdom. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody that agrees, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. She loved it. She got totally peaceful. <laughs> Praise God. Well, God's good, isn't he? I'm going to receive the offering. If you giving cash, would like a receipt, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers will give you an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. We have a couple of ways to give online also, but we take, we take cold cash too. Amen. So there's a couple ways. I guess one is to mail your check-in. If you're online watching us today, mail your check-in. Otherwise, you can text to give. I've never done that, but I guess it's a big thing with younger people. I know that someday we'll be going, you know, we'll be talking about checks like they were a thing of the past. But right now, they're not. Someday, they'll have that microchip in your arm and your forehead. And <laughs> the big 666 across there. You guys are scared, aren't you? <clears throat> well, let's take our offering in our hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, thank you that we can give. Thank you so much that you blessed us. Thank you, God, for blessing us. And now, Lord, as you have blessed us, we give back to you a portion of that which you've given to us. We praise you and thank you for all your goodness. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Go ahead, men, pass the offering buckets. I don't know what the announcements are. I was supposed to look before I got up here. But I know Dave over here. Dave, raise your hand. This is Dave. He's the answer man. He knows everything. He knows more than I know. And if you have a question about the church, would like to give your information to somebody. Um, uh, we we um, keep people informed. You know, we're going into the winter season. Let's just believe that we won't have a lot of snow, right? But if you have, we have snow and wind and hurricanes and tornadoes in the winter. Our roads kind of get blocked up out here sometimes. And so we try to let people know that, because I don't know why, but they don't always uh, plow these roads right away. In fact, sometimes I wonder if it's the last road they plow in the winter, you know. And so sometimes, once in a while, not often, but once in a great while, these roads become unpassable. And so we have to close church down. But we want to tell everybody ahead of time, sometimes we don't know how bad it's going to be. So anyways, if you give us your information, then we'll keep in touch with you. Um, also, there is a woman's tea coming up. And it's for the women, not the men. It's, there it is right there, December 11th, Saturday. Um, what, what time is it? Start, does anybody know? 10 o'clock. I think, is it, is it full? It's full. Okay. Well, that's, you can't come anyways, but if you haven't got a ticket. <laughs> I don't know why I'm announcing it. You can't come, but, but anyways, if you have a ticket, you can come, but it's full. But anyways. Well, God's good, isn't it? How many, how many uh, are, had a great Thanksgiving? Can I see your hand? Isn't that awesome? It's wonderful. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think you've lost weight. <laughs> that must have been something in that pie that you ate that helped you. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. I want to talk to you. I, I titled this message, Thanksgiving... The key to so much more, Thanksgiving, and I'm not talking about the holiday, I'm talking about the daily Thanksgiving that we're all supposed to be a part of 
on a regular basis. There's three words when it talks about the whole thing about worship. It's thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And thanksgiving is kind of the entrance into these other two things. And uh, I want to talk about that. But before I do, I, I, I want to talk broadly about how important it is what we say. Because thanksgiving is not thanksgiving until we express it. I mean, you can, have a, you can have an attitude of gratitude, but it's not thanksgiving until you express it with your mouth. And, um, and it's important to do that. One guy said it's like this, you know, not expressing thanksgiving is like wrapping a present and then not giving it to anybody. And, and, and that's kind of like that. You have to express your gratitude. And we're going to look at some things here that the Bible says about expressing gratitude and how that has such a powerful effect upon our lives. So Acts chapter 2, this is kind of like all, all charismatics live here in this passage. This is, our, this is our address, you know. Where do you live? Acts 2.4, right? <clears throat> and so this is when the Holy Spirit came upon the early church. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that goes through and describes what happened. A rushy, mighty wind, cloven tongues like as fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, it's interesting about that passage. It says cloven tongues or divided tongues like as a fire. How many have ever seen a picture of the upper room? And they always have this like this little Bic lighter on top of the. But Jesus said that you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So baptized means totally immersed. So I'm pretty sure that it wasn't just a Bic lighter. I'm pretty sure it was a total, like a, a if, you look, if you could see, you'd probably see people totally engulfed in flames. That's what you'd probably have seen. Not literal flames, but the, the fire of the Holy Ghost. And then it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice this next phrase, and began to speak. And began to speak. When the Holy Spirit filled them, the first thing that happened is they began to speak. Now, God gave them supernatural languages that they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. But I thought that was interesting. When the Holy Spirit got control of the church or got control of each person, filled each person, the first thing that happened is they began to speak. You know, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Even though there's a lot said in the Old Testament about speaking, when you come into the New Testament, there's a lot more said about what you say. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. You know, you can't get saved without speaking. Because first of all, Paul said that God chose that through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. The foolishness of preaching. You can't even get saved unless somebody speaks to you. It's, 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 it's done through speaking. That's how people are saved. They're saved through speaking. Somebody preaches. And then when you receive the message, you can't be saved unless you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So you can't even be saved. You can't get saved without speaking. Speaking is the transition point where you hear a message preached, and then you confess, believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so speaking in the New Testament is so very important. Now, I'm not really into being everybody's 
you know, I'm not like a police language police. That's not me. And I don't, you know, sometimes people are so afraid to say anything negative that they won't even share a problem. That's not me. But I do believe there's a place for speaking that we have to grasp because when the Holy Spirit got control of the church on the day of Pentecost, the first thing the Holy Spirit did was he had them speaking. Amen. The very first thing that he had them do is he had them speaking. I think that's a huge point. You know, it's interesting about this, this and I stole this from another preacher, but you know, the, the, the day of Pentecost was a, a Jewish feast. Pentecost was a Jewish feast. Pentecost means 50 because this feast was 50 days after the feast of Passover where Jesus died. And this is 50 days later. That's all the word Pentecost means. It means 50. And what, what it celebrated or what it was to re, what they were supposed to remember was the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, Sinai back in Exodus chapter, I think it's chapter 18, 19, is they com- commemorated the giving. They remembered the giving of the law. What was interesting, when the law was given, if you remember at that time, you know, Moses went up the mountain and then people got in this brilliant idea about making the golden calf. And when Moses came down, it says 3,000 people died at the time when the law was given. You know, isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, it says 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people died when the law was given. When the day of Pentecost came, 3,000 people were saved. And so what God is telling us is that there's a new day that has dawned. There's a new day that has dawned, and God is into bringing life to people, bringing, uh, bringing uh, fullness to people, uh, wanting people to come alive. It's a day of, of life. Amen. I think that's a good point. And so speaking is so vital in the Christian life. It's basically the basis of success or failure. Basis of success or failure. And, and so it's important for us that we understand this principle. Now I want you to go to another passage here. Turn over here to Ephesians. I'm going to get to Thanksgiving here in a minute. But I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. This is one of my favorite passages. Paul says, Be not drunk with wine, which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now let me just stop and tell you something. He says, don't get drunk with wine. That's dissipation or that's excess. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is the second time in the Bible where drunk, because on the day of Pentecost, everybody looked at the people and thought, they're drunk. That's what they thought. They thought they were drunk with wine. And here again, Paul brings it up. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, I started thinking about that. Why does it keep bringing that up where it associates being drunk with wine with being filled with the Spirit? Why does it associate those two? And I started thinking to myself, there's a lot of similarities between a drunk person and a filled with the Spirit person. You know, one of of the things, I haven't been been around a lot of drunk people lately, but, but, but one thing about drunk people is drunk people are happy. Or, or, or maybe they're crying. You just never know. Drunk people, they seem to lose a sense of self-consciousness. Have you ever noticed that? I had a friend one time, he, he was real shy. And he liked this girl. 
and she was in our science class, but he was too shy to talk to her. And, but he would get drunk, then he'd call her up. And he'd go, I love you. <laughs> when he came under the influence of alcohol, he lost his inhibition. And if you look at the early church, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they lost their inhibition. They started to be bold. They started to do things that they would not normally do in themselves. I was thinking about several other characteristics. You know, it seems like drunk people are carefree. Hey, they love everybody, right? Hey! Another thing they are is they're generous. <laughs> Drinks are on me, you know. That's another aspect of somebody that's filled with the Spirit is they're carefree. And God, he's, Paul says here, I don't want you drunk with wine, but I want you filled with the Spirit. And I think that, you know, I, I was filled with the Spirit, you know, we use that term, I was filled with the Spirit over 50 years ago. Over 50 years ago. And Paul was writing this in Ephesians to a church that was filled with the Spirit. Because you read Acts chapter 19, that's how they came into the whole thing, is that they were filled with this Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. But Paul says to this church that have already received the gift of the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. In fact, one translation says, in international, <clears throat> the International Standard Version says, stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living. It does, doesn't it? But keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. That makes sense. See, if, if Jesus appeared right now in, in the flesh and said to you, what he would say is, be filled with the Spirit. You say, well, well, Jesus, I mean, I was filled with the Spirit 51 years ago. No, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's something that we don't want to just be theologically correct. We want to be experientially correct. Amen. You say, you say, isn't everybody that's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, aren't they all filled with the Spirit? Well, they are, but you can tell by how a lot of Spirit-filled people live, they're not filled with the Spirit. They might be filled with something, but they ain't filled with the Spirit. Right? So you can be, like if Jesus said to me, he said, Steve, are you filled with the Spirit? I'd say, well, I'm filled with knowledge. Yeah, but are you filled with the Spirit? I'm filled with doctrine. Yeah, but are you filled with the Spirit? I'm filled with principles. I'm filled with preaching. Yeah, but are you filled with the Spirit? How many can see the difference? Not that these things are bad. They're all good in their place. Knowledge is good. Doctrine is good. Uh, principles are good. They're good in their place, but they're not a substitute for filled with the Spirit. I think that if you look at the church, a lot of times what we see is we see People with huge heads filled with knowledge. You know, Kevin Leo used, Leo used to call them puffhead devils. Heads all puffed up, got, know all this stuff, all this doctrine, all this knowledge. Yeah, but it's not how much you know, it's how much you show. Amen? It's not what you know, it's, not what you know, it's who you know. It's not who you've known, but who you know. It's present tense. Are you filled with the Spirit? Amen. Right now, are you filled with the Spirit? Notice the next word. Put that verse back up there, please. 
Notice the next verse. He says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice the next verse. Everybody say it real loud. Speaking. Speaking. Everybody say it again. Be filled with the Spirit. What? Speaking in the early church on the day of Pentecost, when they were full of the Holy Ghost, the very first thing is they began to speak. Here he says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking, now this is the King James Version, to yourself. Now some of your modern versions say speaking to one another. But the Greek word is yourself. I heard this preacher, his name is Timothy Keller. He's a Presbyterian preacher from Manhattan, New York. And I heard him say this. He said, nowhere in the Bible does it say to listen to yourself. I want to pause for a minute. Because if you listen to yourself, one day yourself, you, you, your goofy old self could say, you're a woman in a man's body. Is that politically incorrect? I mean, how many know there's a, cr- a lot of crazy things you could say to yourself? Nobody here likes you. Steve doesn't like you. He said that just because he doesn't like you. I mean, you, could, you, know, you tell yourself all kinds of crazy things. Nowhere in the Bible does it say listen to yourself. I talked one time about self-talk. Uh, self-talk is one of those things that that everybody does it. We constantly talk to ourselves. In fact, we tell ourselves, it's hard for me to believe this, but we speak over 4,000 words to ourselves. In fact, some more. 4,000, we tell ourselves four thousands of things every day. And usually it's wrong. Unless it's scriptural. If it's scriptural, then of course it's right, but a lot of times it's wrong. You're such a loser. Right? Remember I told you about that, that when I was in high school, I had this image of myself, and this cheerleader started walking me to classes and asked me to walk her to classes. And she's like one of these popular girls that could get anybody. And so I, in my mind, could not believe that she was interested in me. Later, my friend told me, yeah, she told me she gave you two weeks putting out the vibe, and you didn't catch on, so she just gave up. She concluded you weren't interested. I was interested. I just couldn't believe. (laughs) It's what I told myself, right? And we do that a lot. We tell ourselves the wrong thing. The Bible says nowhere does it say listen to yourself. But it does say speak to yourself. David spoke to himself. He said in Psalms chapter 42, he said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? That's kind of wild, isn't it? What's going on with you? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God. Come on, soul. Come on. My life's a dead end. It's going nowhere fast. Well, that wasn't, that, that wasn't according to the word of God. I am abandoned by God. There's, there's nothing good in my future. Yeah, that sounds like, the, that sounds like a loving father, doesn't it? No, that's not a loving father. You're such a failure, lousy. You're a lousy mother. You're a lousy father. That sounds like God, doesn't it? I mean, you have to understand that your self-talk, you will talk yourself away from the blessings of God. You will talk yourself away from 
the favor of God. You will talk yourself away from, because the Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's fighting God. The carnal mind, a mind that's not renewed. The Bible says nowhere listen to yourself, but it does say talk to yourself. Have you heard somebody go, well, listen to yourself? You know, I love this definition of humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Oh, there it is. Humility, you knew I was going to say that, huh? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Amen. That's a good point. And so it says that we're to speak to ourselves. It doesn't say we're supposed to listen to ourselves. Amen. It says that we're supposed to speak to ourselves and not listen to ourselves. But let's, let's keep reading there in, in, in that verse in Ephesians. Put it back up, please. So it says, be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's telling you how to be filled with the Spirit. He's telling you how to stay filled. If, we don't, if you don't speak to yourself, if you don't sing to yourself, it's, I don't know another way that you can be filled with the Spirit. Bible says that his praise should be continually in our mouths. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice the next one. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he's telling you how to, how to stay full. See, you can be full of knowledge, but you've got to act on it. You've got to act on it. You've got to learn start to start singing to yourself. You know, some people think, well, I'm a man, you know, I mean, come on. You're not going to catch me driving down the car, driving down the road uh, in the car singing to myself. You're not going to catch me. I'm a man's man. I, I killed animals and ripped their hides off. And, you know, I do stuff like that. I do manly stuff. That's not man. I, I spit and lift heavy objects. That's what I do. I mean, I'm a man. I don't sing. I don't think there's a bigger man's man than David. I mean, he's killing giants. He's killing the Lord's enemies. He is a man's man. I mean, I'm just the fact that he's living in a cave, I think, is a man's man. I mean, there are bats in caves. There are creatures in caves. You know what the bats are, right? It's the mouse's air force. I mean, this is not the place you want to hang out in. He's living in caves, for Pete's sakes. Killing people fighting battles. I mean, this guy, is, this guy is a man's man. But he wrote so many psalms. In fact, there's probably one of the lowest points in David's life is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30, where for years he's been hunted by Saul. He takes refuge in a city, and then he finds out that Saul is looking for him. Saul has gathered his army. And so he asks the Lord, Lord, will the people of this city turn me over? And God said, they will. And so then he has to flee and he starts living in the wilderness. I mean, I don't like camping. You've heard me talk about camping. I don't like to wake up with dew on me like a horse. You know, I, I just don't like it. You know, a happy camper. A happy camper is the guy leaving the campground. <laughs> it's the only ca happy camper there is. 
Now, some of us bring our home with us. Now, that's my idea of camping. If you want to spend $250,000 so you can bring your home. Now, that's my idea of camping. But, I mean, this guy, he's pretty miserable. And then what happens was he actually goes to fight with the Philistines against Israel. And the Philistines reject him. So Saul's rejected him. His family's rejected him. The children of Israel has rejected him. The Philistines reject him. But he's got about 600 men that are on his side, called his mighty men. He goes back. They're living in this town called Ziglag. And he goes back there, and, the, and, and, and the, some, uh, I can't remember the name of the, some enemy army has come to Ziglag, stole everything, and burnt the city to the ground. And now his men start talking about killing him. I don't think you can get any lower than this. This is like being under the barrel and the barrel on top. I mean, this is, this is the, worse than the bottom of the barrel. But you know what it says he did? He says he was greatly distressed, I guess. But it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. You say, how do you think he encouraged himself? I think he, I think he just took out his funny guitar, the harp. Bring! Here's this mighty man of war, this... This warrior, this incredible warrior, bring, I will sing, bring to the Lord, bring for his tribe gloriously, bring the horse and the rider he's thrown into the sea, bring, 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 bring. I think he did that for a while. He started going, I'm feeling it now, man. Amen. He encouraged himself. This great, mighty warrior encouraged himself. You know, some people think, well, you know, I sing all the time to myself. I mean, I'm not a singer. You can tell that, right? Thank God I can preach. If I couldn't preach and I couldn't sing, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be cleaning toilets. But I sing to myself all the time. Because the Bible says, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody. I, I, play, I record my songs on my cell, cell phone. I don't record all of them, but a few of them I've recorded. You heard that one I, I recorded, right? Today's going to be a great day. Remember that one? Going to be a great day, I know. Today's going to be a great hour, full of Holy Ghost power. It's going to be a great hour. Okay, I want to do that. I made that one up. But the point is, I don't know of another way to be filled. There's the Word of God, being full of the Word, but you've got to take it to another step. It's got to come out of your mouth. You've got to sing. You've got to speak. You've got to declare what God is saying about you. That's how we're filled with the Spirit. Amen? But notice as we go down there, put that verse back up again, please. Ephesians chapter 5. Notice he says, making melody in your heart. Sometimes, sometimes I get edified just by going, humming to myself. I know you guys think I'm crazy, but I think you're crazy. Boy, he is crazy. Well, I, don't, I think if you don't do this, you're crazy. Because he says right there, making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
making melody. Melody sounds like, ha, 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 right? To the Lord. Then it says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord. And so let's talk just for a couple minutes here. My time's already up. But let's just talk for a few minutes here about, about giving thanks. Turn to Colossians chapter 2 real quickly. We'll talk about giving thanks. <clears throat> the Bible says here, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? You received by grace through faith. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught. Notice this next phrase. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding, abounding means increasing. In other words, you, you, you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught. Then he says this, abounding, increasing, abounding, increasing, therein with what? Thanksgiving. By thanksgiving, you, you actually increase the measure of your of what, of your redemption that's in Christ. You actually increase. You know, I had this weird thing that happened to me when I was sitting here when we were worshiping. I had this, how many have ever gotten a past due notice in the mail? It's not fun, is it? Past due. This bill is past due. And I thought, this thought came to me. I don't know, I'm not saying it was God. But I thought, this thought came to me God is issuing a past due notice on your gratitude. That thought came to me. I don't know if it's inspired or not, but it came to me. Does that hit you right? God is issuing a past due notice. Your gratitude is past due. Amen. Abounding, in other words, we increase we increase in the things of God in thanksgiving. You know, I, if you ever heard me talk about thanksgiving, because humans are not normally thankful. We just try to, feed, try to raise little kids. I mean, you always say, say thank you. They look at you like, I ain't doing it. <laughs> say, th say please. Well, they, they usually get please out because they want what you are offering. Please. Say thank you. <laughs> Say thank you, little, <laughs> you little monsters. <laughs> right? You don't say monster. That's a bad way. But, 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 you know, it's hard. It's hard to teach a kid manners, right? And so it doesn't come natural to us to be thankful. But it's because ingratitude and complaining and griping is part of, of a fallen nature. But gratitude is something we must cultivate and develop in our lives. We don't, we don't base it on our feelings. You say, I don't feel very thankful today. But a truly thankful person is someone who experiences God's grace in their life. You know, what's interesting, you've heard me say this, that in Hebrews chapter 12, let's, let's look at that real quickly. Hebrews 12 the King James Version says, Wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. 
Now look at it in the NIV translation. The NIV translation says, let us have, instead of saying let us have grace, it says let us be thankful. Why is that? Why is it one say let us have grace, one say let us be thankful? Because there is a connection between grace and thankfulness. A thankful person is somebody who experiences grace. An ungrateful person is somebody who resists God's grace. Amen. Like even in some of our languages, some of, some of the more romantic languages that are built, that are based on the Latin language, like, like Spanish, the word for, the Greek word for grace is charis, and the Spanish word for grace is gracias, which is grace. Even the Italian word for grace or for thank you is grazie. And so it all, it's all based on the word thank you because a thankful person is somebody who experiences God's grace. Amen. So thanksgiving gives us success and it's a gateway into the presence of God because the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we enter in. Even our prayers in in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. As I conclude and the worship team comes, let me just say this. The Bible tells us that in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not necessarily everything that happens is God's will. But being thankful in every situation is God's will. You know, I thought it was interesting. You know, like right now, I don't know what you're going through. I mean, I'm going through stuff. I don't know what you're going through. But right now, you know, you, maybe you're going through mild stuff. Let's just say you're going through mild stuff. Maybe you're going through heavy stuff. I don't know. But, but, you know, we can thank God for our, for our redemption. We can thank God for every good thing. You know, like my wife said, some, sometimes she wants, to, she wants to go places. You know, I want to go places. I want to see people. My peeps are out there. I want to see them. You know, she has that kind of attitude. I'm saying, man, we're going like crazy. She goes, what do you mean we're going like crazy? Right now, we're going 1,000 miles an hour. Do you guys know that? The earth spins at 1,000 miles an hour. We're going 1,000. No wonder I'm dizzy. <laughs> we are moving, folks. We are moving. But, we, but even though we're mo the earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, it never goes off its axis. And it follows this rotation perfectly every, every day, every year. Aren't you glad about that? If it got off its rotation, we could burn up or freeze up. But because it stays on this perfect rotation, spinning at a thousand, I think it's a thousand miles an hour. If it isn't, it sounds good though, doesn't it? I mean, we are going places, folks. But it stays, aren't you thankful for that? How many are thankful for your mate? I mean, she's put up with you for this many years. Praise God, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? 
How many are thankful for your kids? How many are thankful that this sermon is coming to a close? Don't say that. I mean, there's so much to be thankful. You could have died, but God pulled you through. God spared your life. We all had good Thanksgiving meals. We had enough to eat. We had heat in our houses. We had a car to drive. We had heat in the car. Amen. Praise God. Some of us have houses for our cars, for Pete's sakes. That's always hard to tell a third world person, third world, somebody in a third world country, we not only have houses, we have, car, we have houses for our cars. What? Yeah. Amen. We have so much to be thankful for. But even when things aren't going good, the Bible tells us to be thankful. And what are you thankful for? You're thankful that God is working this out for good. It's not good. Not, not everything that happens is good. But I can be thankful that God is working this out for good. Amen. This situation is working out for good. I'm thankful for that. I don't know how. I don't see it right now, but someday I'm going to see it. Joseph didn't see it when he was in prison, but someday he saw it. One day he saw it. God was working everything together for good. And God is working everything together in your life for good. Let's all stand together. So I'm going to give you an opportunity for about 60 seconds before we sing this song. I want you just to close your eyes and just, just begin to thank God where you're sitting there. You don't have to be real loud if you don't want. But just thank God for something that you've neglected to thank Him for. Thank Him for health. Thank Him. Maybe you were sick and God pulled you through. Thank, thank Him for meeting your needs, giving you a job. Just, just right where you're sitting there or standing there, just begin to thank Him right now. Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your goodness, Lord. Thank You for salvation. Thank You for the blood that You shed for, my, for the remission of sins, Lord. Thank You, God. Hallelujah. Thank You for my mate, Lord. Thank You, God, that she is patient and kind. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank You for redeeming my life. Thank You for all the good things you've done in my life, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song. Got a song?
Can you shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, it's been good to be in church. Amen. So we're going to invite the prayer counselors. Sure. I don't want to like to dominate, but something just keeps coming up inside of me uh, about singing. And I've always thought that music would be a big part of this church, and I've I think music's going to come out of this church that's going to shape the culture not around here. It already is. I know that it is. I've seen I've been here many, many years, and I'm beginning to see the influence of music in our community and what it's done. And it's beginning to plow ground. And uh, it sows seed. But the thing I was thinking about music, in the Dust Bowl years, in the 30s. And the armpit of the Dust Bowl years was the, hand, the panhandle of Oklahoma. And, <laughs> and there were folk singers that began to arise out of that era. One was Woody Guthrie. And there was somebody else. I don't, I can't remember what the name was. But they, in the middle of the Dust Bowl years, they wrote a song. Happy days are here again. And it began to shift the culture. Because up till that point, they said the judgment of God is upon us. And the end times are here. He finds no pleasure in his people any longer. And that was the mentality they be, some of them began 
to shape in the middle of those dust bowls. And then somebody came up with, happy days are here again. I'm putting my trust in him again. And I can feel the burdens lift within. Happy days are here again. So when he, Steve was talking about music, it's no small thing. It can shift the focus of a man and a woman, and it can shift the whole focus of a nation. So sing it out without shame. Amen. Is that how that song goes? I rewrote it. Oh. <laughs> I go, Woody Guthrie said that? He lifts the burdens within? I thought the song was a little different, but anyway, he wrote, rewrote it. But could the prayer counselors please come forward? We're going to dismiss the service. And if you need prayer, we want the prayer counselors to be able to pray for you. If you have any need, physical, spiritual, whatever, as soon as I dismiss, please come forward. Let them pray for you. And we also have some uh, coffee bar out there, some good refreshments. So please join us. God bless you all. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.